Do you know what the next iteration of Digital Church looks like for you and your team? We're going to talk about it today. I hope you guys are having an amazing day. My name is Steve Brewster. I'm your host of the Blue Collar Creative Podcast. And today we are going to spy into a conversation that I had in a small, closed, executive-level creative group for communication leaders that a friend of mine named Max hosted. And he allowed us so kindly to share this as a podcast episode. So I hope you learned something really, really powerful today about what the next iteration of Digital Church could look like for you and your team. I think this is going to be super valuable content for you today. Before we jump into the content, though, I want to thank you guys for sharing the podcast on your social media, for subscribing, for sharing, liking, all the stuff. It means so much to me that you guys would be willing to do that. So thank you so, so much. And if I can be of service to you and help you, there's two things you can do. Follow me on Instagram and shoot me a DM or send me a text to 615-492-2342. I would love to hear what's happening in your world to help you guys in any way that we can and just to learn how to stay connected a little bit better. I'm excited about what the future looks like. So check out today's episode on the future of digital church coming up right now. Uh, no shocker that the world has changed. The world has changed. I remember like I grew up in 19, I was born in 86 and I still remember putting my finger into a phone and like flicking it around uh, to, to call somebody. And so the world has changed significantly in just a very short amount of time. People are bombarded by three to 5,000 ad messages a day. Average person spends six plus hours a day on the internet, over two hours a day on social media. And that was before COVID. It's, it, it's much higher now. Um, people are expecting personalized experiences online, Amazon, Netflix, Spotify, and, and people are, are spending more and more time in apps. And so the world has changed, but it's also church has changed. And so people no longer experience your church for the first time by walking in. They experience your church before they ever actually show up in person. So they check out your website, your social media, your podcast, your online service, and then they'll check that all out before they ever make a decision of if they're going to come or not. And so we need to create our digital foyer with the same intentionality that we do our physical foyer when somebody walks in on a weekend. And so the, our digital experience is the new church lobby. And I will be honest that mastering online services is not my bread and butter. It's not what I'm great at, but I knew that I wasn't the right person to speak about this specifically. That's why we um, talked to Steven and brought him in. And so that's why Steven's going to be helping us today. And if you don't know who Steven Brewster is, he's a church leader a coach, a speaker, a podcaster, a content creator. I'm pretty sure there's not many things that Steven isn't. Um, you know, he, we, we actually had him here uh, at Christ Fellowship to help consult uh, and, and help us with a, a ton of our creative and how we engage people. And he's just been amazing. Uh, he's become a great friend. He's worked with some incredible churches like Elevation Church, Life Church, Saddleback, SEU Worship. I could go on and on. I feel like, um, you know, there's very few people that Steven hasn't worked with. And he's one of the top creative church experts in the world. And so when it came to how do we dive into how to create a dynamic online experience where people experience Jesus, uh, they want to keep coming back and they, they can help, uh, we can help reach as many people as possible online. Uh, I knew Stephen was the, the perfect person to do that. And so with that, I will pass it over to Stephen. Stephen, I'm going to make you a host and you can do whatever you want for uh, the next hour. That's a lot of uh, responsibility being the host. So I'm not going to touch anything so that I don't 
kick everyone off because I'm on the creative team, not the tech team. So there's two things you won't see me do anything technical or math during this, this, our little hangout today. Um, both of those get really, really dangerous fast if I'm responsible for them. But thanks for inviting me in, Max. And um, I know so many of these people in the room, I feel like I've either known or look up to or I follow and I learned so much from you guys. So it's awesome to, to get a chance to share today. I don't think anyone in their right mind can tell you what's next. Um, I think that if someone tells you they know what's next, you should run for the hills because they're going to, they're looking to get paid not to help you. Um, so we're in a season right now where I think that innovation is priority. Um, typically and historically when, when we go through a moment or a season that is major trauma for a country or the world, you'll see people run to one of three things. So they run to faith, they run to knowledge or they run to innovation and creativity. Okay. And so you can look back over history and watch how that's, how that's happened. Um, faith, when it comes to that, we should probably be moderately to expertly good at sharing about that. Like if not, we may all be on the wrong zoom call and we need to rethink maybe what we're doing a little bit. Um, when it comes to the faith side, knowledge is interesting because people start to consume more content than they ever have. And we're living in a day where consuming content is ad nauseum. It's actually, I mean, you're starting to see documentaries come out about how it is affecting our soul, our mental health, um, our spirit. There is, there is too much content available for us, but we go to knowledge because we're trying to find the answer. The funny thing about going to knowledge to find the answer is that creativity at its basic like baseline level is an idea or a solution to a problem, which is what we're all kind of looking for in this moment. Then the third place that people go to that I've mentioned was innovation. And I think that's the, the fun part of what the next for our churches look like is figuring out how do we innovate what we do. We've done church the exact same way for the last like 50 to 70 years, right? We put somebody up on a stage, uh, everybody sits in the audience, they look at them and there's been some small adaptations home churches and, and such. But for the most part, even when you have a, a smaller environment, you're really working to, towards trying to get to that bigger environment, right? And, and I think what one of the most amazing things about this season of ministry is we have to rethink exactly what the weekend experience is. Digital church is no longer part of just Sunday. Digital church needs to be looked at the same way we look at student ministry or groups ministry or kids ministry. It is a, an additional stream of ministry that we do that just so happens to include parts of the message from the weekend. I'm a music freak, okay? And so a lot of the, the, the churches that Max mentioned that I work with are churches that I help them with their music, their worship music and, and navigating the music business and all that kind of stuff. One of the most amazing things about music documentaries, when you sit down to watch a music documentary, very rarely will you watch one from beginning to end that is just the live performance on video, right? All throughout the documentary, you're getting little um, moments of an interview with, with the artist or a backstage peek at them praying before they come out on stage. And, and it may not even be in sequence to what's happening on stage, but you're getting all these other moments to breathe, to consume, to educate, to learn about what's happening beyond just the performance. 
But what we've done in church is we've said, oh, we need an online campus. So we'll just take exactly what we do on Sunday morning and broadcast it, right? And that worked for a little while. And what was funny was up until like March of this year, most of the time, not all the time, so grace on this, but most of the time, the uh, campus pastor for the online campus was the guy we didn't want to fire. And so we made them the, the campus pastor, the digital campus, because that's a low level destruction that he can cause, right? Well, now in March, we flipped the whole script and we said, this is the best way to do church. Now you're watching, people are starting to go back to church in certain parts of the world. And on average, what the stats are telling us is 30% of people are returning to church right now. 30% are a little bit too scared to return to church right now. And 30% are going to be part of their church, but they're not going back. And so we have a, a huge responsibility to change how we consume content. Now, I've been a big fan of this theory um, that, that we've been working on called sawdust content, right? So you have your, your pillar pieces of content, the big things that you do each week. And then you have all of these extra pieces. Um, the, the best way to explain it is, and we will get to digital in a minute, I promise. But I know you're looking at me and you're like, this guy doesn't know anything about carpentry. What's he talking about? But if I was to hire a carpenter to come in and build me something, right? He's going to buy the necessities that are required for that project. And then whatever's left over, he's going to take whatever's left over and make something else out of it that he can turn around and sell. Every week, churches all over the world are producing these amazing experiences. And then on Monday, we start over. And we don't take all of the leftover pieces and repurpose them 20 different ways and times in order to make a very rich digital experience. So that's the very first thing. Before you go and start doing anything else new, start taking what's left over from the weekends. Start taking it because your, your pastor's message and your weekend worship experience is typically your pillar content, like the biggest pillar of your pillar content. Take that content and start to figure out how do we take that content and chop it up into seven days, 14 days, 21 days of content. What if the pastor didn't have to recap his message for the first five minutes every Sunday because we had a video that did that for him that played before the service and online and on socials and uh, all these other different ways, right? So there's programming completely has changed, completely changed. Then what I'm loving about what I'm seeing right now, I haven't seen a lot of churches lean into it to the degree I think it's going to require, but a lot of pastors are recording still, even though their churches are coming back. So they'll, they'll come in and record on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever, right? So what would happen if your pastor recorded that message, but instead of it was just him standing in front of an empty room, it was him in a more conversational environment? Because most of the people, if you go and look at your data, and I haven't seen any of y'all's data, if you go look at your data, over 50% of the people that are tuning into your online service are turning in on a phone, okay? Of whatever's left over after that 50, some of them are turning in and I mean, we're even encouraging people to go get into watch parties, which watch parties become on a TV screen, right? So all of these new ways to consume content, it's not the content you're gonna, it's go, go, going back to the documentary theory, you're not gonna watch, in, you're not gonna enjoy watching just this one thing. Right. So what if we were to reimagine what the message could look like? Well, if we reimagine what worship could look like, 
What if in between worship songs, instead of it just going song to song to song while I'm sitting on my couch chasing my dog and listening to my kid yell, there were moments of teaching in between each of the songs that allowed me to understand what that song was just about or what the next song is about. What if the, the worship leader moved from the posture of being on stage at a concert to being around a fire doing fireside worship because we're all sitting down at home, okay? Now, the truth is, we're talking about digital content. 30% of your church may never come back. So when you say, I don't know if it's worth it, well, 30% of your church says it's worth it, okay? Not only does 30% of your church say it's worth it, we used to talk about the lobby and the parking lot as being the front porch of your, worship, of your experience and people making the decision whether they're going to come back to your church or not before they sit down. Now they're making the decision whether they're going to come back to your church before, before they ever even get there because they're watching online and they're watching your social media. So as you're thinking about the digital future of your church, you're, you have to be thinking about so much beyond just the Sunday experience. Another idea that I've had around this whole theory is, and this is a really poor name. So if any of you have a better name, please put it in the chat. Okay. But um, having a digital czar. Okay. One person who's on staff and their whole job for the next six to 12 months is just to sit in meetings and listen to how people are doing ministry. And then thinking through what is the digital alternative to how we do that? Because the truth is there's a lot of people that tuned in during COVID that have never been to your church before, they've started giving, they maybe have gone through your digital online experience to uh, become a member or whatever. They serve in the chat room or wherever else, but they may never show up to a physical environment, right? So if I am thinking about holistically how we develop a ministry that is the digital ministry, again, thinking about it the way we think about kids ministry or student ministry or outreach or groups, um, We need somebody who's leading that who's not just a techie. But also we need somebody who's leading that who's not just a pastor, right? And and I think what we've done from the majority of the churches that I get the pleasure of of serving with or walking with, a lot of them have chosen either the pastoral person or the techie person. And the truth is we need a whole new job description for this person. This has created a whole new world, okay? Not only that, if you look at the ministries that no one missed, while you were closed, you probably just created some headcount space in your org chart to hire this person because there's probably a lot of things that we were doing that stopped working a long time ago and we never realized it until we had to stop doing them. And so it's very, very, very interesting to me how this as a, a theory or a concept can, can really be developed. A couple of best practices on the digital side of ministry, just some things that I don't see a lot of churches doing Uh, currently. The first one is thinking about the options as digital and physical, and that those are the only two options. Okay. That day is over. You do not get the privilege or the opportunity to think about it, digital or physical. It's digital and physical. And we have a whole new stream now. Uh, Kerry Newhoff wrote a great piece about this a couple weeks ago on his blog. So if you haven't had a chance to read it, I've been screaming this to anyone who will listen. And then I saw him post it. I'm like, of course he did, because he's Kerry Newhoff. He's like the Yoda. But uh, it, it, you don't get the option of having digital or physical. It's both and moving forward. So we have to change the entire lens of how we're approaching doing ministry. That's the first one. Second one, 
you have to start thinking about your online experience and, and give me some grace. I'm a local church guy. Okay. I love church. So when I say this, don't, don't take it as far as it sounds when I throw it out there. Do you need to start thinking about programming your online experience the same way that news channels program news? Okay. There's, there's this very interesting concept. Um, ESPN is the most profitable new uh, television network in the world. The reason that they're the most profitable, profitable network in the world is not that they create all of this amazing content. In fact, they create very little content. The content that, that, that earns for them is live events, right? So we have a live event, at least one every week. So think about it that way. We have this gift, okay? The second thing that makes ESPN ridiculous is they talk about the same thing over and over and over again. And the reason is, is because they know that people tune in and tune out, tune in and tune out. So on average, if you look at the average watch time of your broadcast, it's probably around seven minutes. Okay. Well, again, a little grace, each, each culture and each church style has a little bit of different data, but it's going to be right around that seven minutes that people, that's the length of time that they're, they're hanging in there with you. Okay. If you're thinking about your, your digital church broadcast that way, every seven minutes, you have to reset. Talk about LeBron James winning the championship every seven minutes if you're ESPN. So whatever the key point of your message is, every seven minutes, do you have to revisit that? Or else people don't know what's going on when they zoom in and zoom out and log in and log out. I mean, there's people that have logged in and logged out of this call already. So, and that's not a bad thing. That's just how people consume content. If I'm watching it on my phone and I get a phone call, I got to jump on the phone real quick. Then I jump back into the message. I might be totally lost. So you got to think about and, and, and my pastor friends hate when I tell them this because they're like, you know, the, our, our pastors, they like to go deep on that stuff and they should. We've got a responsibility to deliver that content in fresh and unique ways that can reset it for them so that they're not responsible to that, right? But if your pastor records on Thursday, he records a 35-minute, 45-minute message that's ridiculously amazing. Now your job is to figure out how do you reset that every seven minutes? So that when people are tuning in, they're the engagement level staying high and they're learning the most important things. Okay. The next part of this about thinking like a TV station um, or like a network. When, when COVID started, everybody was like, oh my God, it's revival. There's millions of people tuning into my church. I only have 35 people who attend on a weekend in physical person, but there's a million people watching right now. Okay. And what we all know, know and learned was you can't count those stats. Those are vanity metrics and they're not real. Okay. Somebody logs in for like three seconds and boom, you are amazing. Okay. And then you are, you are amazing. But the truth is that's not how it really works. And so what we have to do is we have to find new ways to get people to raise their hand and identify themselves in a digital environment. Okay. So obviously we're going to use the chat like crazy and we're going to make sure that we, we, talk about, we, we ask questions that incite and agitate people to come out of the, the lurking and into the chat. But the chat is minimally effective because if I'm watching it on my TV or I'm watching it on my phone, I don't have the chat box. When you watch ESPN, there's a scroll bar across the bottom, right? When you watch CNN, there's a scroll bar across the bottom and a little thing on the side, like a little margin on the side that has like all the COVID stats that none of us want to see right now, right? If you watch CNBC, you can only see like this much of their face because everything else on the screen is 
is graphics, okay? But the reality is people stay more consumed when you're giving them more content, right? So what if instead of you making me watch this really boring video announcement of two talking heads pretending that they're really good on TV and they're not, and it's brutal to watch, and they don't give me clear call to actions anyway, what if instead of that moment, all of that just gets baked into the broadcast? across a ticker on the bottom, an occasional pop-up on the screen. Don't forget groups this weekend, QR code, blah, 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 blah. Use the technology to communicate beyond what's just the message. And use the technology to reinforce the message. So when you're watching an interview between uh, Savannah Guthrie and whoever she's talking to that day, the person's name pops up, right? And then whatever their main talking point of their interview moment, that pops up on the screen. And then the, the ridiculous quote that you could never believe a normal human being would say pops up on the screen. And all of these things start to happen because they're using the technology to connect people beyond just watching two people talk. Well, the only thing worse than watching two people talk is watching one person talk. So what if we were so intentional to create all of these extra pieces in our broadcast that allow people the ability to connect deeper and deeper and deeper? What if the questions that we normally ask in the chat, instead of them being in the chat, they were on the scroll bar across the bottom? What if the QR code popped up on the screen three or four times during service? If this is your first time, we want to meet you. Boom. What if, you know, all of these things, we have to start innovating in what we're doing. But the truth is, we had to innovate in March because we couldn't go to church anymore. Some of us, I have friends all over the country that I get the pleasure of walking with. Some of them won't go back to church until April of next year. Some of them are back in church now. If you're in Texas or Florida, you pretty much have zero chill. So like you're, you go to church, like you pass through a COVID shower on the way to church and you're just like, deal with it. But everywhere in the country is in a different space in this moment. But where we're all in the same space is how people are consuming our content. And we have the responsibility to make sure that we are creating the best environments for people to consume the content. The, the last thing that I will mention um, about this, and then we'll jump into questions, Max, if that's cool. Um, uh, the last thing is that I'm stoked about this season of ministry for you guys and for the global church. Like, it's going to be a little bit weird and challenging for the next 24 months, but what can come out on the other side of this I believe is going to be revolutionary in how the gospel is shared and spread around the world. So if you're in a local church and you have an amazing building and you have two times as many parking spots as you need, it still doesn't scale because eventually if God moves in your, in your space, you're going to run out of parking spaces. You're going to run out of door holders. You're going to run out of diapers. You're going to run out of goldfish. There are limitations to what can happen. When you move to digital, you actually remove almost all of the limitations, except for the limitations on yourself and your team. So as a leader in this season, you have the biggest responsibility you've ever had to innovate like crazy without killing the people that work for you right now. And that's really, really difficult because as you start to innovate, your pastor is going to love what is happening and we're going to start putting more and more people behind it, more and more people behind it, more and more people behind it. And we all know that in church, that doesn't mean we're going to get to hire more people. It just means that we're going to put more people's time behind it. 
So as a leader right now, if you want to be the most innovative church ever, you have to protect your people more than ever. Because I, I know this for myself in helping churches and all the churches that I help that I've talked to, people have never worked more than they have in the last year in church because we had to figure out how to do it in a whole new way, right? And that's true and awesome and amazing, but also really, really dangerous. So the, the first part of, of this last session is just make sure that you're caretaking your team as you're innovating. Don't allow innovation to become an idol inside of the organization where it ends up killing people and, and running them out of ministry. That is not God honoring. Uh, the next part of that is that God's not surprised by this moment. God was not in heaven listening to the baby, hanging out with the disciples when some angels came running in and were like, yo, what happened? COVID, what are we going to do? He already knew. He already knew this was going to happen. Not only did he know it was going to happen, he knew it was going to happen. He knew that you would be sitting in the seat that you're in and that you would be leading in this moment. And so what I love is that I believe, I'm naive enough to believe that God actually chose you for this moment to lead your organization through this massive revolution that is, is taking place. Probably one of the biggest revolutions we'll ever have in, in communication in, inside of the church is what's going to happen between last March and the next 18 months from now. And so not only is he not surprised, but he's actually excited. He knows the outcome and he planned on you being in your seat to lead us through this. And so because of that, that should give you the most ridiculous confidence that you've ever had. You should be able to wake up every morning and go, man, I didn't ask for this job, but God put me in it. So I, I'm going to show up today and I'm going to steward it as well as I can. And I'm going to do the best that I can. And, and we're going to see what happens. And here's the beautiful thing. We've seen that the most traumatic thing that could happen to the church is people not showing up for a year. And it still didn't break the church. The church is not so fragile that it can't handle our innovation. If we try something and it massively fails, what did we lose? But if we try something and it, it becomes ridiculously successful, what did we gain? We gained lives and souls in heaven for eternity. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. Like, this is your moment. Like, you got this. This is, you are, you are so primed for this next season. And I believe that really there is an awakening on the other side of this. And it's going to be ridiculous what happens in, in, in our churches globally as, as we emerge from COVID. All right, guys, just a quick break. I hope you're learning something today in this podcast about digital church and the future of what it could look like. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast, share it on social media, shoot me a text, 615-492-2342, or give me a follow on Instagram, B underscore R-E-W-S-T-E-R. Blue Collar Creative Podcast is here to help serve you and your team. If there's anything we can do for you, we are here. Let's jump back into the episode. I think that we're going to open up to some questions now and allow you guys to ask. And it doesn't have to just be about this. It can be. Don't ask me about math. Don't ask me about technology. Other than that, I'm down to try anything. Fantastic. Also, well, thanks, Stephen. And um, anybody has a question, feel free to unmute yourself and uh, just go ahead and ask it. Or you can also type it in the chat um, if you're feeling a little shy today. Um, so it looks like the first questions are coming through. How are you implementing this in your church? So uh, very great question, um, Peter. I actually am not working in a local church at this time. I serve as a volunteer at my church. And so we've actually 
been working through what this looks like. We've we have started to storyboard what the new iteration of our digital experience is going to look like over the course of the next uh, 12 months. And we were in a really unique space because we were in the middle of a remodel of our, of our auditorium to help it be more um, recording friendly to, to, to try to turn it into a studio a little bit more. And so now that's become ridiculously helpful. So we've started work shooting worship um, in a different way. Um, we're talking about, we're actually going to start doing um, rooftop sermons around Nashville, uh, going to different different places that people know in Nashville and doing the sermon in those spaces to create content that feels and looks different than just Sunday. It gives the pastor a chance to kind of work out the message a little bit in advance. And then, you know, you'll get the, the 15 to 18 minute version online. And then if you come to church, you get the whole 30 minute version. And so that those are a couple of the ways that we're, that we're working this out currently. And, and again, we're testing. We're like I said at the beginning, nobody knows the answer. So don't take what I'm telling you as um, biblical, but it's, it is what I'm learning from working with churches all over the country uh, that are, are some common truths of, of what we're seeing and, and, and how to navigate those common truths. Let's say hypothetically we are broadcasting a stream of our typical weekend service rhythm. What's some low-hanging fruit? What would you recommend we try first? I know sometimes taking a risk that yields results can prove the concept to take more risks. Beautiful question, Liz. First thing I would do is uh, get rid of those announcements as much as you can online, digitally. Um, I mean, I've always been a proponent of get rid of announcements in general, that a, a stage announcement is is like a lifeline to a ministry not doing their job well or a communications team not doing their job well. But um, what I would do is I would start to curate the experience, whatever you're, so if you're looking at the experience as being an hour long, okay, I would, I would create a very compelling opener that would foreshadow what's going to happen in the service. Okay. Um, Then I'd go into worship and I would break up worship from being one big 18 minute worship concert or 25 minute worship concert or whatever your context is into um, more bite-sized pieces of songs and the ability to put some, some education and teaching in between each of those moments. I might even show a pre-service prayer. I might show um, a team talking about the song in between just finding creative ways to make it feel more, approachable, right? Then when you get to the, uh, to the message, the message is going to be the hardest part to change. So I wouldn't change that initially if you're trying to prove concept right now. I'd leave the message as is, but I would, I would use all of the technology that allows you to reinforce what's being done and said and pay attention to the shots. Like the shots matter more than they've ever mattered before. So like I just watched um, a conference a couple of days ago and I was one of the speakers and I was like, I wish I could have had final say on the edit of this because every time I go to a point, they would cut to like a side angle shot and they weren't, people weren't seeing your face. And now you've like removed people from the, the moment, right? So editing is now a huge part of the communication of the message. So be very, very cautious of, of, of that. Um, that's where I would start. And, and I would start playing with that. And I, what I would do is, before you even broadcasted 
your first version, I would create two or three versions that you played internally for decision makers to get them comfortable with you doing an experiment on the, uh, in a live environment. And then through the live environment, because what you'll notice is, and this is what's going to happen. I'm, I'm a, I would put money on this, okay? The technology that we use on our broadcasts is going to become part of what our in-person experiences are as well. So right, right now, nobody's got the lower third thing, like not the lower third, but the little bar across the bottom. You don't even have that in church right now, but you could, and maybe you should, you know, it, it, there's, there's so many parts of the process that we just got comfortable with that we never felt like we had to use. Right. And so, and then for some of you, it might not fit your culture or your vibe or your values or whatever. That's cool too. Don't do it. But, but don't, don't allow what's been accepted in the past to direct what you're going to do in the future because you will be left behind. Like this is the moment of innovation and we have to get into innovation in this moment. We have to lean into it and, and really develop. Um, Eric asked a question. You recommend YouTube versus Facebook, both neither Insta. Great question, Eric. Here are a couple of things. Number one, um, YouTube and Facebook, both of them church online Church online engagement is longer than any other platform. So those are your, those are your people that are, are tuning in for the long haul, okay? Um, YouTube is longer than Facebook, but Facebook's still important. Uh, Insta as well. But again, I would program Insta in, in bite-sized pieces as opposed to flipping the switch and just letting it broadcast because in the Insta audience isn't there. And I, I would even add TikTok to that because you can TikTok live now. Um, it doesn't mean you have to dance. If you dance, let me know. I want to tune in. But if, if you, can, you can still stream and there's volume there. So I would go use every resource possible because it helps. Hey, Steve, can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Um, you said being, breaking down the message, okay, within seven minutes. Okay. Um, but what would you put like, would you put like, uh, uh, an announcement or would you just like, you say you'd be mentioning worship. I say, is, is a worship the only thing that can go into it? Or what is like, how would you break it down? For example, the classic 25 minutes message within, um, like three times of 21 minutes. And yeah. what would you put in the middle, like worship or announcement or graphics or, I don't know, carousel, a jingle, a cartoon. <laughs> so one thing that's super clear, you, do, you no longer have to go worship into message because we did that before because it was the best transition. It felt the least awkward in the auditorium, right? No one's in their auditorium now. They're, they're all on the digital. So you can move pieces. We have more programming space than we've ever had in our entire life. When I say reset the message every seven minutes, it's very, very rare that you're going to be able to get a communicator who's going to go back to their main point every seven minutes, right? But what you can do is use the technology around that communicator to, re, to bring people back to that point and make sure that you have, you, you have somebody who's setting up and foreshadowing what's going to happen and then somebody who's recapping it after the pastor is done. Those are two great ways to get the first seven and the last seven captured, right? So now you've got still 25. In the first seven of that, the pastor's going to kind of do it on his own, right? So now you're talking about 21 minutes. Maybe at minute 14, there is a, this week, 
we're talking about blah, 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 blah. And this, it's all graphical, right? Um, maybe at 21 minutes, it pops up, it pops up. If you missed the beginning of this message, click this QR code to start the message over. Right. Just you have to be innovative in your culture. It's hard to say that there's a blanket approach, but knowing the data helps you think through in your culture and context, according to what your organization values, how you're going to do this. Does that make sense? So, and some churches, some pastors are being totally cool to have, have this, the, the point kind of close and then a different, a different, edit comes up of, Hey, today we're talking about this and blah, 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 blah. We're going to jump back into the message. And then it goes back into the next seven minute block. Like there, some pastors would be totally cool with that. Some pastors would be like, you have completely destroyed my message. I cannot believe this. So again, a lot of it's contextual. No one's going to get into pastor Steven's message and get him to chop it up with a, with somebody coming in, but you wouldn't want that either. That's not why you tune in to watch that. So a lot of it has to, to, I'm giving you a best practice to apply to a context. Yeah, okay. thank you. Carly, Carly has two questions, um, which I like that. That's like, you're not, you're not messing with one. You're going straight to two, and I like it. Um, if you view digital programming like a TV network, what would a healthy week of online programming look like? How often we turned around a show, create a new show concept, et cetera. Beautiful question. So, this is where it gets really, really fun and you have to have a whole team to do this. But I would think about the Sunday experience as one show, right? And then I would think of what are the bite-sized versions of that that you can play throughout the week, whether it's via podcast, via socials, like you can create these little three-minute messages based on the message that live throughout the week. And then what I would say is, I think the churches that are going to really thrive, they're going to take this and create a small group moment that all the small groups watch online via zoom that has a video component to it. That is the pastor talking about what he talked about. And now he's leading the small group virtually um, as one way. If you think about, if we go back to the ESPN analogy and the reason I chose ESPN is because the data is there. Like they've been ridiculous with how they've done what they've done. Like sports center replays itself from like five in the morning until like 11 in the morning. Right. And then they have these talking head shows that re they're talking about the exact same thing that sports center was talking about, but they just have these big personalities doing it. You know? So what if, what if at eight o'clock at night, the youth group pastor was talking about his message from the week? Uh, like, so Wednesday night was his message. And then Thursday night, he's talking to parents. And then Friday night, he's toasting a zoom DJ party. I mean, I think the, the, the limits are endless. It just really comes down to what your team can facilitate and in the order that you can facilitate it and then try it. And if it doesn't work, try something else and be willing to blow it up, you know? So um, second question, do we cannibalize our in-person audience by marketing our digital programming? Uh So there's an amazing book called the infinite game. Okay. If you haven't read this book, you need to read this book. Okay. The idea of cannibalizing our online, what would cannibalize our in-person experience way more than a digital experience is COVID-19. And we made it through that. And so what I would say is we're looking at it through the wrong lens. It's not about, it's not about what we are cannibalizing. It's actually what we're about empowering. 
way more people that don't go to your church are going to tune in to learn if you're marketing this well. And you guys, I know you did a session. You got Cody and Max who are like ridiculous digital marketers. Um, if they've taught you anything, you're going to be amazing at what you do. And this, like you're, you're sharing to a whole, to a much larger audience than what your normal church is. So think about digital church as three circles. Okay. Circle number one is your core people. Like that's the, those are the, the people that call Christ fellowship home. They love it. They're going to tune in and watch every week. Okay. That group you might cannibalize, but what you won't cannibalize is the secondary group which is everybody in South Florida who's tuning in and figuring out if they're going to come to your church or not. Because when we do digital church, we start to think that like the whole world is watching us. And yes, we have the guy who's in South Africa who is tuning in every week. And it makes, it makes us really happy that we're an international ministry now. But the truth is, if you dig in and look at the analytics, 80 plus percent of the people that are tuning into your messages are going to be within driving distance of your campuses. Okay. So because of that, your digital experience is actually the second best marketing tool that you have. Outreach is the first. This is your second. Okay. And so now you're, you might be cannibalizing that little box, that little circle, but you're empowering the second circle, which is the circle of the most influence inside of your community. And the third circle is the entire world, which we want to help them. We want to deliver Jesus and and give them an easy next step to, to salvation and faith. But what we really care about is that second circle and the first circle empowers the second circle. But if the first circle gets smaller, it doesn't mean the second circle will. In fact, I would challenge that if the first circle gets smaller and we do start to cannibalize our in-person experiences, what we're actually doing is creating open seats for the people from the second circle to move into physical experiences. And it's both and it's not either or. So you might show up one weekend online and the next weekend in person and then the next weekend online and the next weekend online and then back in person. And so we can't look at it as either or. It's both and providing the opportunity for people to take the next step in faith. Thank you so much. That was amazing. Thank you. Absolutely. I don't know if it was amazing, but it was, it was okay. We'll give it up. I've got a question as well when it comes to... Um, to new people that tune in and new Christians and all of that, you said you said that we should not um, bombard it with like um, loads of ads and stuff like that. We're talking a lot about and hey, we have this, we have that, we have that. Instead, having like QR codes or just to catching the new Christian, the new people. What would be some of the other ways that you would say at the end of the service or? in order for us to get in contact with the new Christians or new people that is joining? Because at the end of the day, we are after those people. Um, sure. I mean, that's the, the, the main thing what we're doing. So, um, and I know that Facebook has some, some of the ups and downs. YouTube has some ups and downs. But when we're creating a content, when we create our Sunday message, mm-hmm. what would be your advice when it comes to the new Christian in mind? Great question. So we're not, um, we're not going to give up. We're not giving up the chat room. Okay. The chat room still matters. We still need to use it. It's, it's a tool. There's not one tool. There's multiple tools, right? So there's a QR code. There's a text campaign. There is an, an email address. There is, um, a lot of those moments of, uh, and Cody would know this better than I can, but there's ways of seeing who's watching from where, right? And so 
we're going to do to use all of the resources we can. What I would say about the announcements is think about again, broadcast, broadcast mentality versus small church mentality. So Taco Tuesday doesn't motivate me, but but giving to this family that you just played a story about that lost their jobs in their house because of COVID, that motivates me. So now I text in to give. I just identified myself as a first-time giver. Now I'm going to do this, have a whole digital litany of assimilation process to get that person back in, right? Or like right now, it's brilliant. You see a lot of pastors doing this. Put a fire emoji in the chat. And we've kind of cheesed it out a little bit. It shouldn't have been as cheesy as it's gotten, but it has gotten, it, but it works, right? Every time, every person's name who shows up in a chat menu we should be cross-referencing that name with our database to find out if they're a first-time identifier or not, okay? QR codes matter. We still need to offer the, the first-time guest card digitally. Um, we need to invite people into the community still, but we have to be more clever and creative, not deceptive and manipulative, just clever and creative in how we're doing this. So we have to think about if you were a, are a consumer, and you're sitting on the couch watching the show, or you're in your car, and it just popped up on Facebook, what is going to motivate you to engage? And again, contextually, I can give you broad strokes, QR codes, lower third text message, um, you know, hosts in different moments asking you to do certain things. But contextually, build it around your, your culture so that it feeds the culture well and doesn't feel like an infomercial, because the worst thing that could happen is we take God's amazing message and gospel and this, this necessity of hope that everyone is like so thirsty for right now. And we, we completely bastardize it by making it feel like we're just trying to get your login information, right? Like how terrible would that be? I think there's probably a hotter part of hell for us if we do that. So we got to be really careful that we do not like, create that moment that, that we're very careful to keep it tasteful, to keep it contextual, to, to make it part of feel like it's just a natural step in what we're doing inside of our broadcast. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Steven, you said that editing yeah. is part of the communication. Would you tell us a little bit more about it? Like, I don't know, would you give a different angle on a, on a punchline or would you change camera on a verse? Like, how would you, like practically, would you give us an example, please? Great question. Great question. And I'll give you, the, I'm not a, an, an editor, uh, but I'll give you some, uh, some what I've noticed as some, some best practices. When, when your pastor is driving home, like a really big moment or point in the service, a very, uh, like a, a, a more close up of their face so that I feel the connection is, will be super powerful. Okay. Uh, when you're in worship, all of your editing should be to the beat. So if it, if you have editing happening just haphazardly, it's going to feel, I'm going to disconnect from the moment. Same thing with, with like worship verses. I need a face courses. I can have the group shot, right? Um, for your pastor, again, um, if they're going to the TV shot, make sure that, 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 you're leaving enough space that, that them interacting with the television, it doesn't feel like I'm so far gone because 
live broadcasting in our context, breaking the fourth wall is actually the win, right? So a lot of times what you're going to have to do, the hardest part of the editing portion is going to be helping coach your pastor how to preach to the camera because we learn how to preach to the room, right? And it takes, it takes a, a practice to get good at, pre- at, at teaching to the camera. Um, and, and so when you get better at that, that, that when your pastor's driving home that main point, they're looking into the camera for that moment. When, so that it, you're not editing up to something that's like a side shot or something like that, you know? So it, it's, it's very nuanced. It's, it's art, not science. So you're gonna have to learn to dance a little bit with your, with your communicators to make sure that you get it right. But just start watching with that lens of, am I connected to this or disconnected from this? And then you'll start to see, oh, we should have done a different shot here. Or, or when you watch things that are done really well, you're like, oh, wow, okay. And I'll tell you, like going in and watching some documentaries, some concert documentaries, pick your favorite artist, and um, you'll, you'll see some nuance that we've never needed to apply to our broadcast of, of the service before. But in this season, we probably do. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Great. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for uh, making time to speak to us and uh, help us figure out how do we create a compelling online service. And I think what you said is so huge because the way that we reach people in person and the way we reach people online is, is very, very different and needs to be approached uniquely. So this has been incredibly helpful. Thank you. Awesome. It's my pleasure, guys. Thanks for letting me hang out with y'all and, and crash in your group. It's, y'all got a, an awesome crew here. So this is dope. hope that today's episode has been so helpful to you. I hope maybe you have a new best practice to, to apply to the next iteration of what your digital church is going to look like. And you think about it a little differently. Maybe you have a different context for it. I hope this has really helped you. If it has, or any of the other previous podcasts have helped you, you can help me by subscribing, commenting, sharing, liking, all the things that we're supposed to do. Um, and if you want to be part of the community, follow along, B underscore R-E-W-S-T-E-R on Instagram. Or shoot me a text, 615-492-2342. I look forward to hearing from you. I look forward to connecting with you guys and being in community with you. Tune in next time for another episode of Blue Collar Creative.